Welcome to Lead Limitlessly, a podcast about living, loving, and leading an incredible life without limits. Each week, we will deliver the best engaging content on the secrets to leading a successful and happy life filled of purpose, power, and profits. Now, here's your host, the Limitless Leader herself, Dr. Sarah Renee Langley. evening wherever you may be this is dr sarah renee langley your host and moderator with regards to advancing in adversity and this is the finale of our week's series and topic hashtag the talk how to talk to your children about racism and the police and i as always am always grateful to you because see there wouldn't be any show if you weren't a part of this so I just want to say thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for showing up because 80 or now perhaps 90% of success is just about showing up. And the fact that you are here and we are having this conversation, it speaks volumes. And I am so grateful and appreciative to you and your time. So thank you for that. And also just want to check in with you. How are you doing today? How was your day? How was your week? What are your plans for the weekend? I know I'm throwing all these questions at you, but just want to know how you're doing. How was your day? At least, how was your day today? And you can talk back to me. Make sure that you are joining me in this conversation because see, the reason why I talk so much is because of the fact that I'm just building up space of silence and I would love to hear from you. So put it in the comment section. How was your day today? And hey, how was your week? How are you? How are you feeling? You know me by now. You know how I am trying to make sure I check in with you. And to help you to know how to gauge yourself, how you can convey and know what your thoughts and feelings actually are saying to you. Because see, in order for you to know and understand yourself, it will make it easier for you to know and understand your kids. So that said, how are you doing? You can put it in the comment section. Any questions or comments that you have, put it in the comment section because I'm able to see it. And I wanna make sure that you get your voice heard. So that said, can't wait to bring in my special guest of the hour as well as bringing on my co-host who's going to help me in facilitating this conversation. So Danny, Danny, where are you? Danny Robinson, licensed social worker. Hello, hello. <laughs> Sorry, that was not Zoom, that was me. That was a double <laughs> That's so funny. How are you doing today? I'm good, I'm good. It is another Freedom Friday. Yeah talk about the issues on our table. So I'm so glad to be here. I hope everybody has had a good week. If you have not had a good week, that is okay. Cause this is definitely a safe space where we can talk. You can get in the comments, you can share how you feel. This is definitely no place where you can't feel that you could be yourself. Be true to yourself, be who you are. You don't have to be anybody else but you. So it's a safe space for us to get it together. Freedom, freedom Friday. Freedom Friday. You know, and yes, it's a safe space because see, you're amongst family and friends where you're actually going to share your dirt, your secrets, your dirty laundry to thousands of people who are watching it right now. So you are in a safe space. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, us and the thousands and thousands and thousands of people who are going to watch this, we all got your secret. We got your back. Don't worry. Your, your secret is safe with all of us. So it's okay. <laughs> We're going to be up in the comments back at them. We, we got you. We got you. Hey, Jessica, how you doing? Thank you for tuning in. And Frank, I saw you put the heart and the like up. Thank you all the way from Arizona. Thank you for tuning in and joining in with us in this conversation. Um, um, Danny, I just want to know, any news for us today? What's going on? I mean, there's so much. It's, it's, it's a lot hard even for me to keep up with all the hot topics. And I saw that, uh, speaking of hot topics of Wendy, I heard her husband's out here in the street and he's spilling some tea. So that's, that's, that's on another story. But anyway, go <laughs> hot topics. Is that normal? Is that normal, right? That's like, okay. I know. Kevin, he's been in trouble. He's just been a man. I don't know what he out here doing, but you know, that's cool. We know what he's out there doing. We do. Yeah. It's clear yeah, what he's doing. You know exactly what you're doing. Get it together. <laughs> um, but anyway, so um, hot topics. Um, actually, I think we were kind of on the same page and looking at stuff. So I know my girlfriend Stacy is looking at me through her internet eyes and rolling her face because, um, you know, Starbucks, <laughs> I think everybody noticed Starbucks decided to come out of their necks and talk about like how they 
how um, they didn't feel it was appropriate for their employees to wear anything that signified Black Lives Matter, anything that would signify or make them a part of that movement or show support of, they were against. Now, I was like, Starbucks, did we or did we not just have a conversation at the table? Did we not? Because didn't we just come up for this from um, uh, somebody, an employee calling the police to Starbucks? An employee on the black people that were sitting in the back and I'm like, well, you have to buy something. Man, this is not McDonald's. No, we do not. This is the the millennial public library. <laughs> okay, that's where we come. This is our coffee shop. We do not have to buy. We have meetings at Starbucks. They have uh, Bible studies at Starbucks. It is not required for you to buy a coffee. But we thought they had learned because remember, they did their whole diversity training, cultural competence. And here we are yet again, Starbucks at this table having this conversation. So apparently you all did not attend your own conference or you didn't bring us to the table to have the conversation with you because there was having, we have not learned. So Starbucks, I'm, I'm gonna have to stick with McDonald's now to get my um, uh, caramel macchiato. I'm sorry, <laughs> my, I'm shaking my head Starbucks. I know they have, um, recanted the statement and I believe they have said now that they can come but how we have a repeat of a similar situation I'm not sure I'm not sure I think it's about dollars I think it's about association I think it's about um not being associated to but no this is this is an opportunity where you need to say something Starbucks get with it because um if you're not with us if you are not with us you are against and you are part of the problem Starbucks and and you know, McDonald's has been doing me all right. So <laughs> get it together. Get it together. Let me ask you this question. Now, see, I'm not a coffee drinker. I was never really rocking with Starbucks anyway. Um, <laughs> but my question is, I, I saw a, a post from one of my Facebook friends. So shout out to you, Quinnell um, Maxwell. And I, I thank you so much for this, this post. She had asked or posted from a different perspective, as we always talk about in terms of shifting in perspective. So she said, in fairness, is it fair if, how would we feel if someone, you know, an employee had their uh, MAGA hat on, you know, and serving? So if that's the case, then, and we don't like that, is it in fairness to, you know, I guess all parties on what they can wear and being an employee, you know, um, what's your thoughts to that? Well, I don't know if they're allowed to wear hats. No, but I know that's not the, I know that's not the, <laughs> can you show support? Where do you draw the line with support? Personally, I feel it's, uh, I get, I get exactly what she's saying. Where, where does the freedom of, of, particularly the freedom of speech, where does that lie? Where does that cut off? That's a good question. Um, but similarly to, I'm not trying to say this is this is who Trump is or stands for, but you know, similar to that that same notion, should they be allowed to wear Ku Klux Klan like pins or signia? Absolutely not. Not saying that's who Trump is, but I'm saying he has said that there's good people on both sides. Uh -huh. So I know Quinnell hits us with that, right? Yeah, she kind of hits us with. This. Hey, Jessica. Hey, Frank. Hey, Brad. Thank you for tuning in. What are your thoughts, everyone? Yeah. On Danny's side, on, you know, those who are watching from her angle, her end, and who's watching from our guest uh, speaker of the hour, you know, the people yeah. who are watching from his uh, uh, page, please, y'all can share with us. Let us know what your thoughts are. Is that, is it fair? Does fair matter? Are you no longer going with Starbucks? Are you going over with McDonald's with Danny and them? Um, or are you like, you know what? I'm going to give Starbucks another try, especially since they decided to recant, you know, reverse their decision. So mm -hmm. y'all can put it in the comment section. We'll make sure that we read it out um, and just share this. And as a matter of fact, y'all make sure that y'all share this video out because sharing is caring and you never know. You just might save a life in the process. And that is your contribution in regards to how you are making a difference, how you are moving the needle forward you know, as we all come here collectively um, to share our voices together on coming up with great solid solutions on how, and especially in this particular conversation, how can we help our kids out regarding racism, police, how do they process it? Along with you, how do you process all of this? 
You know, and that's why we asked you, how are you doing? How is your day? How was your week? So that you can now come to grips with what your thoughts and feelings are with all the different things that are happening moment to moment. You know, it's like we have to, can't, we don't even have time to catch our breath with the next thing that's about to take place. So let's now be ahead, you know, in terms of understanding our thoughts, our feelings, our emotions, what it's saying to us to then be in a position to know how we can help our children out through this whole tenuous matter and situation and to also get, get it ready, you know, like getting, getting ready and getting it together um, for the next thing that happens. To which, as I check on your conversations and you, you know, you're posting your comments and questions, I'm hearing about a second wave of the coronavirus. I, I, I don't know if that was a hot topic for you or something that you want to talk about, Danny, but let me tell you, that's why I'm going to get my hair braided. They, and you're not going to catch me this time, COVID-19. I'm going to make sure that my hair is braided for the next three months. So I'm learning. I tell you the truth. I asked this question. I said on, on my Facebook page, I, I said, well, what are y'all doing? What is the thing that you always wanted to do, but you couldn't, but now you can because you're home? And not saying that I always wanted to learn how to braid my hair. Like I'm so spoiled. It's like, I always had my hair done, you know, like I go to someone and they do it, but now I'm going to take the time to take a class and I'm going to shout out you, um, Nina, Nina B. She decided to take advantage of this pandemic and create a class for beginners like myself on how to do a basic braid. And I am looking forward to it. And I tell y'all, y'all go to my page to support Nina B on the fact that she had decided to use this opportunity to help people like myself and those who are beginners with braiding so that you can too be prepared for this pandemic for the next three months to have our hair braided. Because I tell you the truth, <laughs> this isn't catching me down, you know, with my, my pants down this time, I'm going to be prepared to have my hair braided. So just want to shout out her business um, and yeah, the fact that you take advantage of this situation in terms of being prepared, because a lot of times we were so unprepared and not just with our hair, but I'm saying like in everything, financially, emotionally, mentally, it just hit us and took, had taken us by surprise. And it really left us at a loss. And, and that's just putting it, that's just an understatement. But now here's your opportunity to be prepared with the perhaps second wave of the coronavirus. Danny, what's your thoughts? And everybody, y'all can talk back to us. What are y'all thoughts in regards to this potential second wave of the coronavirus? First of all, kudos to you. She says, she's like, I'm going to learn this braid. And okay, right. nobody's going to touch me out here. I know that's right. It's <laughs> to learn a skill to get it together. Okay, sometimes it takes practicing. I practice on myself. I'm, I'm proud of you. That's awesome. Thank that's you, dope. You. That's dope. That's I'm dope. so excited. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you're, you're so right in that you know, it's time for us to really take account. It's like things are starting to open it back up. It's really a time to reassess and see where we need to make adjustments or what things that we need to pull from. Um, you know, what resources do we need? What things do we not have together? You know, there are, you know, I do a lot of um, uh, resource scouting as well as putting that information out there to you know a lot of the folks that I work with but there's a lot of COVID resources out there there's a lot of food pantries that are making sure that they're trying to do more regular food donations um, if you have anything to donate you know and if you know you can put things in bags and just have them together because you know there are going to be those people that are in need but you know just trying to get a lay of the land you know what did what were, what were you not prepared for what did you need more of that you didn't get how can you reassess to better prepare for what we are not sure what's going to be next? How can you better be prepared for what's coming in the future? If we, do? we don't, we don't know. We don't know. So how can you be better prepared? What weren't you, be, what, what weren't you prepared for? And um, what things, resources uh, could help you advance in the future or be more prepared? I know for me, I mean, I remember when we was on that toilet paper. Now, personally, I am not a hoarder. I do not hoard. However, typically on a regular day, I will have at least two Costco cases of toilet paper. And that's just on a regular day. I'm just, I'm just a stalker. For me, stock, like having things in stock, not a stalker. <laughs> okay. But, you know, having, having plentiful because I found like, you know, um, I remember I've heard somebody once say before, it's like, you know, if you have, to, if you have one toothbrush and you got to throw that one away, you should have at least one more toothbrush in there to pull from. 
So, you know, always making sure that you have things in the house. That's definitely a big thing for me. So I like to make sure, all right, good. And, you know, for me, I'm always like, does somebody else need something? So there's a little surplus, you know, if my neighbor, auntie, somebody else is in need, you know, at least I have enough for me and then I have enough to share. So definitely time for us to take restock and reevaluate, you know, what we need going forward because we really don't know what's coming. Exactly, exactly. Thank you for that, Sandy. And the fact that everyone, making sure that you are prepared this time around, here's your second chance. You know, if it really impacted you to the point that you felt like you were powerless, you were, you know, defenseless to the situation, you felt like you were succumbing to COVID-19. And sadly, quite a few of us, many of us have really lost a loved one. I know that I had lost my cousin to COVID-19. Uh, my uncle, it was questionable about his passing. He, he passed away. Um, I, I think it was clear that he did not, it wasn't because of COVID-19, but it was the fact that I, I had people who I love, who I had lost and during this time. And it's like, you, you know, you have a devastation, a loss from a loved one to your finances, being unemployed, being laid off, um, have, you know, then depending on the government to send you a stimulus check and, and all that. And then your family, especially for you, uh, heroic heroes, those healthcare workers and providers who are on the, the front lines, you know, and then have to go through this again. Y'all had to go through the whole devastation of having to figure out how to even protect yourselves and be safe, you know, getting the equipment when there was a lack of equipment um, and, and then still serving you know, with the concern that you couldn't even go home because you didn't want that to happen to your family. So it was just a lot going on. And the fact that here we are now, we've been through this, let's tap into our resilience. Let's see what can we do now, rallying together and to support one another and look at what you have done. Look at what you have overcome. You were able to overcome before, you can overcome this as well. And you're not alone. We are all here together to support each other to now overcome, overcome COVID-19, overcome, you know, lack of finances, overcome. Instead of us looking at the lack, let's look at our abundance. Look at what we can control. Look at what we do have. And as a resource, shameless plug, to put the resource out there, I did create an ebook. It's called COVID, Combat COVID, Combat COVID how to create calm in chaos. So I'll put that link in the comment section for you, you know, in regards to it being a resource for you. Um, right now it's for $19.99. If you decide to get it today, I will drop the, the price down to $9.99 for today only. So that will be a great resource for you. Easy read to help you to navigate mind, body, and spirit to prepare for you this time around to make sure that you are well prepared on how to navigate, to create your own calm, to create your reality on how you want it to look, mind, body, and spirit. It's going to boost your mood. It's going to give you clear direction, step-by-step -step processes that you can um, immediately apply so that this time around, you know exactly what to do in terms of your money, in terms of your health, in terms of your mindset, so that you and your loved ones can have had the opportunity to definitely be truly resilient and well-prepared for this second wave with this pandemic, with the COVID-19. So it was $19.99 for today only. I'm gonna give it to you for $9.99. I'll put it in the comment section. You share it out because sharing is caring. You never know, you just might save a life in the process. And- Drop them gems on them. <laughs> And I was going to say, before we bring in our special guest and I read his bio, um, just wanted to acknowledge what Jessica said earlier about um, Starbucks. She said it was said that they encourage employees to wear LGBTQ pins. So why shouldn't they wear BLM pins? Yes, I agree, Jessica. I agree. I agree. And I then... Oh, and I was just going to say, and then Jessica also mentioned in regards to the second wave of the coronavirus, she saw a report that a worker in California at the California casino tested positive for the virus since it opened back up. As a matter of fact, I've seen a report, I think it was either 13 or 19 states, um, has started to report an increase um, in, in terms of uh, people who have tested positive from the time that the beaches and everything opened up, but to now 
um, just it's just happening again, you yeah. know. So please, y'all, here's your opportunity. Be well prepared. Yes. Let's lock arms. Let's rally together. We can do this. We can do this. We can do this. So just to make sure that you are well prepared and ready, use the resources that are made available to you. Make sure that you check out the replays. Make sure you share this out. Make sure that we are well prepared. That's the bottom line for what is coming ahead. All right, and just give out shout outs to Miss Plus Five Brown. Thank you for tuning in. Hey, Dr. Kinnett, how are you doing? Thank you for tuning in as well. And Jason, 253 of Central High School in the house. Thank you for tuning in. Really appreciate you, sir. Hey, Teresa, thank you for tuning in. Everyone, thank you so much. Danny's team, thank y'all for tuning in. Antoine's team, thank y'all for tuning in. We really appreciate you and your presence. And look, without further ado, we're gonna bring in our speaker of the hour, our guest, our special guest, our expert, you know, that's gonna help uh, lead us and navigate us in regards to hashtag the talk, how to help our children with dealing with the police and with racism. How do we have that talk? How do we help our kids out? So I wanna to introduce to you, I'm gonna read his bio. It's Antoine McKenzie Plays. He is the expectation grief specialist, counselor by profession, healer by calling. He is a mental health counselor located in Broward County, Florida. He is currently a registered mental health counselor intern, licensed by the state of, state of Florida. He holds a bachelor of science in ESE K-12 a Master of Arts in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, and a graduate certification in Alcohol and Drug Abuse Counseling. Antoine is trained and experienced in providing various types of therapy, including EMDR, Cognitive Processing Therapy, and Trauma-Focused CBT, just to name a few. He is experienced in treating um, various issues, including anxiety, depression, grief, and trauma-related disorders. He works with individuals ages 11 and up and provides a focus on helping people survive and thrive in the systems they live in, with particular focus on the ever-present role of the unresolved grief that it plays in many of our situations when we feel stuck, unable to move forward in our lives. His clients benefit from learning what it is that is causing them to feel stuck and then becoming empowered to take effective action in their own lives towards getting unstuck. Sometimes this includes freeing oneself from the bondage of expectations, which can sometimes keep us from living our truest and most authentic selves. He, talking about Antoine, is a strong advocate for all gender minorities to include uh, women of color and trans identified individuals. He is a fierce defender of every child's right to live and grow in a supportive and loving environment and a champion for families. Antoine is an advocate for human rights for all people. And his therapy office is a safe space for all people. So everyone, I would love to introduce to you, Mr. Antoine mckenzie Plez. Hey, Antoine. Hey, hey, hey. hey How's hey. everybody doing? Uh, thank you so much for joining us and, and really, you know, just blessing us with your presence and with your expertise and your skill and your time today and helping us to navigate on hashtag the talk. Everyone put that in the comment section. Hashtag the talk and make sure y'all sharing this out because we are going to have a great conversation as we wrap up in this conversation of the series for this week that we can help our children, help our parents on how to have this talk about racism and the police, helping our black and brown children. Um, Antoine, I just want to again say thank you. You know, and it's I'm looking forward to this conversation as as well as many of us because you know just to hear it from a male's perspective as well um, to really help our our black and brown kids, our black and brown boys in particular, especially mothers that's out there, fathers that are out there who have their sons and they're like, wow, what do I do? You know, like it really hits for them. And yeah, yeah just thank you again for your time today. Not a problem. Not a problem. Listen, you guys, let me tell y'all something about Dr. Sarah uh, and how she's a therapist therapist. So <laughs> when she invited me to do uh, this talk, I, I told her, I was like, this is completely outside of my comfort zone. Um, I, I have never done anything like this before. And she was like, great. So we'll make you the finale. And, <laughs> and we'll make you wait all week. Uh, and we'll, we'll put you on Friday. Um, so I want to say thank you, uh, Dr. Sarah, for 
for, for giving me the kick that I needed in the butt. Also, <laughs> I am really, really excited about having this conversation um, uh, from the Black male perspective, um, and as, as well as from a child therapist perspective, um, who mostly works with Black and Brown children. Um, so I'm very, very excited. I am about to explode with information yes. and thoughts and with insights. I'm going to try and get these people out of here at nine, but you get me talking on this topic and <laughs> I can't promise. So we're going to try. No, we're great. We have nowhere to go. It's Friday. You know, if we want to party, we're going to do a, you know, uh, virtual happy hour. You know, okay. after that, we probably go to the club, you know, go to uh -huh. the after party after this. So it's all good. So, so you lead the way. And I just want to say shout out to Floyd Marshall Jr., Shakura Bolden, hey, Kiana, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. Antoine's camp, thank you all for tuning in and sharing it out. Danny's camp, thank you for tuning in and sharing this out. Thank you so much. Yes, we are ready for an explosive opportunity, conversation and time and us having hashtag the talk. Everybody put that in the comment section. Hashtag the talk. We need to have this conversation. And I think this is such a better time um, to have this now coming from a male's perspective. So my first question to you, Antoine, is just, just talk about this. How is it? How has it been? Um, or where do we begin in having this conversation with our children with regards to racism and the police, all that's going on right now, where do we even start? Yeah, very good question. Um, I have to tell you, I'm gonna say we start with having the conversation with ourselves first. Um, for me, as a black man living in America, in the South, um, this thing brought up some stuff for me. This thing brought up a lot of anger um, it awakened me to some other grief that I, that I, you know, had been working on, but, you know, kind of just put me right back there. Um, and so those who follow me on social media, uh, know that when this all first kind of started out, you know, I, I warned them and I said, listen, this is my process. I'm going to be angry for a little bit. I'm going, I'm going to post like crazy, but then I'm going, I'm going to calm down <laughs> and I'm going to figure out a way to get active in this situation. So I think parents, we first have to sit down and process, what is this bringing up for me? How is this manifesting in my behavior around the home? What kind of messaging is my behavior sending out to the kids? Am I, am I in an anxious space? Because they feed off of our energy. Am I in an anxious space? Am I in a fearful space? Um, and just kind of being honest with yourself about that, having that self-awareness, and I think, you know, what, what most people don't understand about child therapy, um, I get parents to ask me all the time, how is it that you get my kid to say things to you that they don't say to anybody else? Um, and it's not, it's not some huge mystical clinical trick that I use. It's just being real and being honest. Kids smell BS. And so if as a parent, you're trying to put on this facade that everything's okay, um, you're, you're not being real with them and they won't be real with you. So I'll say first, let's deal with it. You know, let's, let's kind of come to grips with what this is bringing up for us. And if that entails you going to seek counseling, if that, if that entails you going to speak to your pastor, reaching out to your friends and support group, do that because you need to be well enough to have this conversation with the children. And so that's, that's what I would say is a good starting point. And that's good. Thank you so much for that. You know, the fact that we need to first check in with ourselves, see where we are and be grounded and centered enough or to be okay to not be okay. Like you yeah. said, you know, kids can smell BS. My God, don't ask a kid a question at a young age. Like, you know, how do I look? Or, you know, how do I, you know, do you like this or whatever? They going to tell you the truth. Okay. Right. So <laughs> they can absorb and they can pick up on things. So even when we're trying to hide or we're trying to protect them and not tell them certain things. They're taking it in anyway. They're absorbing, you know, they're, they're sponges and they can tell what's going on without us even verbalizing. And, and the fact that it is, like you said, a matter of us checking in with ourselves and seeing where we are with things. And so in being real and authentic and, and honest so that it will help them and give them that example or also give them that permission to also be okay or not be okay and to 
help them to be able to convey whether verbally or you know in other ways which of course you'll tell us a little bit more about that and how to help them come back about it like what you hear so far make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button right now the podcast is made possible by listeners like you so thank you for your support now back to the show yeah i think that that's awesome you know and just saying that and having us to think regard in regards to that and i wanted to ask in the follow-up how do we detect when something is wrong with our kids let's say that um they're not able you know with the different age groups that you work with that maybe they're not able to convey how they're feeling um what are some signs or symptoms that uh, parents need to pay attention to uh, to figure out next steps on how to help their kids to talk or to get it out or to see if, 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 it, if they've been bothered with regards to police and racism? Okay, great question. Um, what I always say to parents who um, kind of say to me, well, my kid doesn't really talk, at least not at that level. My kid doesn't really open up about uh, these kinds of things. I, would, I say to those parents, children are always speaking. They are always communicating. Um, it's just not in the way that we do as adults. Um, children, uh, I, so I work with um, ages 11 and up, but I have worked with children as young as six years old. Um, so if we're, if we're talking about the younger children, um, they're communicating all the time through play. Um, and so here's the thing, if you're a parent who um, has not traditionally or not, not usually um, actually sat down to play with your kid. Um, you got a whole lot of time right now with COVID-19 having a resurgence. Learn to play with your children. Learn to get down on the floor and play with your children. You will be surprised what you learn about how they're processing things just by watching the way they communicate through play. Um, and so that is, that's one way um, to kind of check in and see how they're processing this. Um, but specifically, if you're looking for signs that they're being negatively impacted by all of this news and, and, and this coverage of the protests and stuff, um, we're talking about a compounded issue of community violence. And, uh, you know, you have the, the whole COVID-19 issue that's going on. So we're, we're really talking about our kids being exposed to complex trauma. Okay, so what does that do? What does that do for a kid who maybe cannot express, um, uh, mom, I'm having intrusive thoughts? You know, what six year old is, is able to c communicate that? Or, uh, mom, I'm having um, flashbacks. And sometimes I leave my body when this happens. Um, mom, I'm really, really scared about being safe and about, you know, going out in public. I don't understand why these people don't like me uh, just because of the color of my skin. I don't, I don't get it. Um, so what you're paying attention to in that, in that age group is you're looking at what's happening when they're playing. Um, you can even observe when they're playing with siblings or maybe they're online with friends and doing video games and things like that. Um, children tend to reenact. Uh, things a lot through their play. And so pay attention, look out for that. Um, they tend to, uh, one thing that I like to do with kids is um, I like for them to tell me a story. We use like Disney characters um, and I just say, all right, let's go with it. Tell me, tell me a story using these characters and you'd be surprised. You'd be, I, I done learned a lot of parents' business um, a lot of stuff that goes on in the house, I've learned from doing that exercise. So I would encourage you, listen, parents, you are your children's best therapist. I want to empower you to, to really feel and understand that you are your children's best therapist. You know them better than anybody else. Take these skills, be confident uh, with it. Watch your children. Watch, watch how they play. The other thing you want to do is just notice for... Um, other signs, so um, them being a little bit more socially withdrawn um, than, than they were before, um, having nightmares. And here's the thing about when a child experiences complex trauma, 
and they're having those nightmares, they can't always explain to you what happened in the nightmare. So um, if you're starting to see your kid having those nightmares more frequently, um, but when you go to ask them about it and they're like, I, I don't know, I don't know what happened. I don't know why, I didn't know I was screaming. You know, um, that is a sign of complex trauma and their young developing brain trying to process and make sense out of what's, out of what's happening around them. Um, I'm trying to think of other, other um, signs you may notice. Um, you might notice um, issues with remembering things. Um, you may notice increased irritability. You may notice them becoming more angry and violent um, and really with no provocation, um, just uncharacteristically angry. Um, and so those are times that you should be cued in that, okay, something is going on here and it's time for us to kind of dig into it. Um, with, with the older children, uh, we all know what PTSD looks like. We all know what um, you know, trauma responses look like. For children, I think um, about 13 and up from what I've seen, they tend to kind of display those same signs and symptoms that you would see in adults. You know, your hypervigilance, which is, you know, just kind of having to be prepared all the time. Oh my God, something's gonna happen. Um, intrusive thoughts, nightmares, that kind of thing. And avoidance, avoidance. So um, kids, especially our kids, black and brown kids are truly, truly gifted at avoidance. Um, they know how to avoid a topic. They know how to change the subject um, in little subtle ways. Be very, very keenly aware of when that's happening in the conversation with your teens. If you're sitting down with your teens and you're wanting to engage in this talk, um, notice any attempts to change the subject. Notice any attempts to just kind of gloss over and, and move on to something else. Um, that is a key, that is one of the key uh, things that I look for as a therapist when I'm, when I'm assessing for trauma. And guess where they learn avoidance from? <laughs> yeah, that's how they get real good at it they learn avoidance yes, from us yes a lot of that learned behavior right a lot of it with children is definitely learned behavior thank you i mean that was that was really um good overview of like how that can really example or how that can come out in a child's behavior and i really just want to go back to what you were saying i think it's a really good point complex trauma can you describe for us, maybe for those that may not necessarily be clinicians or familiar, mm -hmm. can you give us a little bit of information? What do you define as complex trauma? All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna read you guys the definition of complex trauma, and then we'll kind of go into it. So it's defined as um, I'm sorry, it's, it's defined as children's exposure to multiple traumatic events and wide-ranging long-term impact of these multiple trauma exposures. Typically, these events include ab abuse or profound neglect and begin in early life. Um, but it also can just mean experiencing several traumatic things almost at the same time. You know, that, that is also a way to kind of think about um, complex trauma. So if you think about, look at these last couple months what this has done uh, for the psyche of children. Um, all of a sudden there is this, as, as, as y'all's president likes to say, this invisible enemy, right? <laughs> that has completely threatened their sense of safety, um, their entire idea of structure and routine has been completely upended. They're not able to socialize with their friends the way they used to. Um, at, at these school age years, teachers are so important um, to kids. And so not being able to go and see that favorite teacher, having to be inside, I can't go outside and, and, and ride my bike anymore. Um, I have to wash my hands 50 million times per day. Uh, mom is freaking out because I touched my face. Um, so you had all that going on. And then this for a little black boy. Um, so when I, when I go down that list of symptoms, um, what it really gets at is this complex trauma teaches our children, I'm getting a little bit choked up, um, complex trauma teaches our children and our black boys, especially with this situation, that the world is not a safe place. 
And so you got to kind of understand what that means when you're six years old, when you're eight years old, when you're coming to grips with your entire world being turned on its head and feeling like, oh my God, the world is not the safe place I thought it was. And it's because of something I have no control over. And it's something I cannot change. Um, and so that is what we're really dealing with here. Um, and and the, the goal for parents, I, I'm sorry, I may be jumping and kind of jumping around, um, but the goal for parents in having this talk with kids is to sort of reassure them of the certainties, right? Reassure them of the safe places where they can be. Um, and so let me jump off that soapbox because <laughs> I can go there. Did I answer the question? Yes, yes. No, thank you so much. I mean, I think like you really reframe that too, because I think that, you know, while our children are going through it, we're experiencing that complex trauma. So like the first thing you said is, you know, making sure that we're checking in with ourselves and seeing where we are, because we've been going through it. Like, just like you said, it's for them, it's for us too. And that rug of security and we were going to work and we we're living our own lifestyles. And then, you know, COVID kind of snatched a lot of uh, a lot of people's skirts, you know? So all of that happened. And then on top of that, you know, we're dealing with the complexity of being black in America and how that personally affects us. And then seeing how all of these dynamics transfer over to them. So thank you for really reframing that for us and putting that, you know, in a smaller scale for us to really look at how they're processing it on, on their level. Yes. And, and you know what, um, just to interject with that, um, so I can be a therapist, right? And a secret about therapists is that we, we love to make our, our clients cry. Yeah. Part of it is because it's a release. It, our, our tears speak when our words cannot. And, you know, um, Antoine, you said I'm a therapist therapist and I was contemplating that if I, to make you cry right now. And I'm gonna be honest with you, I wanted to put humor in it, but to be honest with you, I felt the sadness. I'm such an empath that I feel like crying right now. Like I feel choked up because it's like to be, wow. Uh, and I, I and I, I want to cry because of the fact that it's as if we're crying for everyone or to set the example to give permission that it is okay to cry. Yes. It is okay to be vulnerable. Like mm -hmm. literally, I feel very choked up all in here because uh, a client had talked to me today he was like, I need to speak to an African-American therapist. I need to speak with the African-American therapist, you know? And so I was able to meet with him and just allow him just to be himself and to be vulnerable and be okay. That we always, it's not a matter of us always having to be strong all the time and to try to act like we're not weak because it's, it's so taboo to be weak. We gotta be strong all the time, but then we're missing it. We're missing it. We're missing our healing. We're missing our breakthrough. We're missing our release. And in talking with that, that, that young gentleman, that young guy, he was like, you know, why is being black so bad? Why mm -hmm. is it so bad? Why is it me being black so bad? Mm. And so I felt you right there when you was like, you know what, I'm, I'm getting choked up. And it's okay if you, if you, you know, before we got on camera, you was like, you know what, I'm in South Florida. You know, I just need to take this jacket off. I just need to let my hair down. So brother, mm -hmm. if you want to cry, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> You're not trying to hold back yeah. my powers. You know, I don't want to have to do it to you. But uh -huh. I'm just saying, you know, I'm giving you the, you know, the floor that it's okay to not be okay. Because I, I think that even us as all therapists here, and using this platform for all of you who are watching that, hey, we can wear our professional hats, but we're still human. We're still Absolutely. who we are. And yes, this stuff that's going on is moving us all 
you know, to be at a place for a moment to shed tears, a moment to be weak and vulnerable and to ask the question, why is it so bad to be black? Period. Man, that is so right. I thank you for the invitation to cry. I just might do it. Um, <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, it's not uncommon for me to cry with a client. Um, and like you said, um, this brings up stuff for all of us. We're human first. Yeah. We're human first. And so over the last two weeks, um, I've just been having so many conversations with young adults about how this is impacting all of us. And I have to bring my humanity into the conversation. I have to be very real about what it means for me because I am a black man in yeah. America, yeah. you know? And so, you know, again, that goes back to that being real thing. You know, you just, that, that is how we connect. Um, so yeah, it is not, it is not uncommon for me to, for me to cry. You, you asked, I think Jessica's here. Jessica's uh, my site supervisor down here in Florida. And I think just about every time she and I are on the phone, I end up in tears. So, <laughs> so not a foreign concept for me at all. So um, but yeah, but yeah, I, I do. I get choked up. I get really emotional because when things like this happen, and here's how trauma works, guys. When things like this happen, I immediately become that 12-year-old boy who first experienced racism face to face. I immediately, I, you know, and that's how it works. That's how it works. Um, and so, yeah, I, I can't help but to be affected and impacted by what's going on. And I bring that with me. Very, very transparent about that. I bring it with me. Wow. That, again, was powerful. It is amazing how our own circumstances, our situations, our experiences, that if there's a trigger or something that reminds us, it brings us back to that place. Yes. I had asked that question on my page about what was your first experience with racism? And it had like all these different shares and it had all these different comments, you know, in regards to people having their first experience. And when I look at it, it seemed like the average age was like, you know, in like elementary school, you know, from six to eight years old. Kids now who are like 50, 40, 50, 60 years old, talking about their first experience with racism and what it what happened to them. And it was their first time to actually talk about it after 40 years, 40 years of keeping it inside and not realizing why they had an attitude with a non person of color, you know, to have uh, or, or re react or respond and not know why they were reacting and responding when it came to a Caucasian American. The fact that we do go back as I always tell my clients that we're the age that we are chronologically, but if we had a violation that has happened, um, a trauma or something that has happened at age five, three, two, we're there, we're still stuck there until we use this opportunity to talk, to communicate, to put it to words. What, is our, what are our thoughts and feelings? What is, what's going on, this trigger? It feels, I can't put words to it, but this, this feeling, I don't like it. I, I know that I react a certain way and I think a certain way, I behave a certain way, but I just don't know what this means. Yeah. And it's the fact that, how do you think your kid feels, everyone? How do you think your children feel? If you weren't able to convey, please do not expect them to just come to you and convey as well. Think about your time and how maybe it's been difficult for you or the thought of many of the people who have shared on my post about their first experience with racism, um, where they weren't able to talk about it until now, until they were invited to ask or, or to share. Many of them also didn't say anything. I asked them, I said, well, did you tell your parents? Most of them, there's not all of them, including myself, didn't tell our parents because That's we were right. concerned about our parents. We were concerned right. about what happened to them if we did say something. That's right. So, could be the same deal, you know, with your children. So please don't take it wrong or be upset or wondering if you're a bad parent why can't my kid talk to you know talk to me about it i you know they should be able to talk say anything to us or you know getting mad at your child for your, your teen your tween your, your kid well 
you know, they're not saying anything and you wish they would, we have to now get to the core root of everything. Where is the source? Where is that, that wound, you know, where we've been putting a bandaid on all this time and right. Lord have mercy, this is high time where that bandaid work, it, it doesn't work anymore. It's right. for its purpose. It's time to now perform surgery. It's time to get to the source and the core root of that wound so that it can finally get to a place of healing, a restoration, a closure. Yes. So now we can move on whole, whole to our next destination. So I, I just thought that this was amazing what you just said, Antoine. Um, that's, that's what I got out of your conversation. Um, and, and everybody, please, y'all put in the comment section, what, what are y'all thoughts right now? What is going on for you? What are your questions? You know, what in this conversation that we're having right now, what are your thoughts? Um, and I want to share one that Vashon Langley had shared. He said that we need to continue. We need to talk about continuing to protest up to November if we have to, until we get the laws changed that everybody needs. Ending the war on drugs would be a start, but nobody wants to talk about our demands, but we need to talk about it. So thank you, Rashawn, for sharing that. Um, Lija, I, I don't have any much more to say to that, but I'm just so grateful and thankful to be in this moment with you, with the two of you, with everybody who's watching, um, to really look at it from another perspective of, hey, how is it really impacting you? Just like Antoine, like you said, um, we have to first kind of locate ourselves to then be able to know how we can help our kids and having hashtag the talk um, with regards to racism and, you know, the police. So this was awesome. See, that's why I get the finale. See, that's why, yeah. that's yeah. why you, you know, you're the one that's bringing it home. <laughs> Big bombs. Big bombs. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. Danny, do you have anything, any other questions for Antoine? Uh, yeah, you know what? Uh, just, to, just to bring that back, and again, I really appreciate Antoine, you just, you know, sharing so much because um, just as we've been talking throughout the week, I think um, one of the common threads has been vulnerability. Yeah. Being open and being vulnerable, you know, with our kids and not having the answers and not having it all together and not coming with the BS and just being vulnerable and how that vulnerability meets vulnerability mm -hmm. us being vulnerable to them allows them to be vulnerable to us and that's just in in human nature period it's just like oh you're being open with me well let me tell you all mine you know so right. that's that's a beautiful thing that's a beautiful thing but i just wanted to circle back really quick about uh something that really struck me and you mentioned the sense of security Mm -hmm. And that sense of security, like you're talking about for children, because we're talking about things that are kind of like the norm. And, you know, we have our patterns, we have our routine, we're, we're comfortable and how we're moving. And then at some point, you know, that rug is kind of dragged from under us that we've lost our footing. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, we're talking about both kids and we're talking about ourselves as kids, as Dr. Langley was talking about, you know, us being at that young age. Um, but just thinking about restoring that sense of security. Where does somebody start to restore a sense of security for, you know, for our kids or even for ourselves? You are so good at this, Danny. You're bringing it on home. All right. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I definitely, my goal here was to give parents something tangible that they could walk away with. Parents who are coming to this discussion saying, I need to know what to do. So uh, Danny just hit on probably the key thing. Now, I was prepared to give y'all a whole a whole lot of stuff, but let's get down to the key thing. Um, so I'm trained in a particular type of play therapy called TheraPlay. And it's based on building secure attachments between children and their caregivers and or parents. And so what the, the interesting thing that happens in TheraPlay is that the parent thinks that the child is, is, uh, is the client um, and then at some point, the parent becomes the client. They're very, very involved in how to communicate um, from, from the place of being who you were as a child to your child. And so that process unfolds based on four different uh, uh, parts of building a secure attachment. So the first one is structure. Children need structure. They need some sense of predictability 
in their lives. They need that, that's, that sense of stability and that sense of security is provided through structure, um, especially after a traumatic event um, where it feels like everything that you once knew to be your routine and your world has been turned on its head. So you do things at home that continue to provide that same predictable structure. Um, and now that we're spending so much time at home with our kids, um, this is an opportunity for you to create new rituals at home. So this is an opportunity for you to say, you know what, Tuesday night is our feelings night. This is the night we're gonna sit, sit around and we're gonna identify what, we, what we've been feeling over the week. And we're gonna get, this is gonna become a part of our new routine. Whether you like it or not, this is what it is. So creating new rituals, creating that kind of structure at home. Um, the second thing is engagement. Okay, so we got structure and then we got engagement. With engagement, people think that they're talking to their children, um, but a lot of times they're really not. So doing things like, like I said, making sure you engage and play with your kid, making sure that you're reaching them at the right developmental level too, um, that's really, really important. Um, I have, I'm not, I'm plugging this, they ain't paying me, but I want every black parent to go out and get this. If you have children um, around the age of six, seven, and sometimes a little bit older than that, um, it's hard for us to have conversations about racism and police brutality it, with that age group. Um, so one thing that they do understand very well is bullying. And that's an easy way for us to introduce this concept. And so there's this game that I play with my smaller kids it's called Bullies, Victims, and Bystanders. Wow. And uh, all, of, all of the parents, I don't know if I have any parents um, that I've worked with in the past watching tonight, but um, you, you know this game. <laughs> you know this game. And so that's how, we, that's how we start this conversation with the younger kids about what's happening because this game teaches them about victims, it teaches them about bullies, and it teaches them about what happens when you are a bystander and you remain silent. And it's reaching them at the right developmental level that they can understand. Um, so it's not, it's not telling kids to go out and protest, but it's definitely saying um, what happens sometimes is not fair. And sometimes the people it happens to they have no one to stand up for them. And if you're in a position to speak up, do it. And so it's, it, it's just a very powerful tool to kind of get that conversation going. Um, with your teenagers, let me tell you guys, this is the number one thing I hear in sessions with teenagers. They hate being lectured to. When you engage with your teenager, talk to them. You know, I'm not saying that, you know, well, maybe I am kind of saying it. Uh, you need to talk with them at their level. I understand that you're the parent and that you're very worried and you're wanting to give out information and you're wanting to give out uh, rules and things like that, um, but they're not hearing that. Uh, you've got to come down to their level and talk and talk. And, and the biggest thing with teens is put yourself in a position to learn from them. Um, you can learn a lot about your child by putting yourself in a position to learn from your child. Um, teenagers know stuff. They know a lot of stuff. They got, they got the dot-coms, like my grandma used to say, they got the dot-coms and the infinites. Uh, so they know stuff and they can teach you things. Um, so not, not making it a one-way conversation. You know, engaged teens really, really take interest in their views on what's going on. Um, <clears throat> The next um, element would be nurture. So this is a time where kids need more hugs, more kisses. They need more cuddles. And I'm not just talking about your little ones. I'm talking about your big, funky 17-year-old, too. Um, this is a time where they need it. And yes, they will push away and say, nah, mom, I don't, please, please. give it to them. They need it. They need it. Um, so this is a time for nurturing. This is a time where positive affirmations to our black boys yes. are so, so vital. Um, and I have a few of them uh, that, that I can, maybe I can share um, 
through Dr. Through Dr. Sarah's page um, after the live. But I have a few of them that you guys can use with your black boys. They need that positive feedback. This is also a time, it's not only women that can be nurturers, guys. This is also a time for uh, black and brown men to be vulnerable, to express how they're feeling about this and to provide that nurturing as well. Believe it or not, teens, teens tend to receive nurturing a lot better from men than mother figures. So um, yeah, they need that. They need the love. They need to be told how special they are. They need to be told that nothing is wrong with them and that they don't need to change anything about them. Um, so that's nurture. And the last one is challenge. Um, and this one I think is particularly good for our teens. Um, this is where the conversation shifts to, okay, so now that we've discussed how you're feeling about this, um, now that we've discussed what this, what this is bringing up for you, is there something you want to do about it? Do, do you want to, do you want to, uh, make a petition? Do you want to maybe start a little group with your friends, uh, to kind of process this stuff together? Um, what, what do you want to contribute to this process? Um, and a lot of times, you know, the, these teens that, you know, they call themselves SJWs, social justice warriors, um, they are really woke. I'm telling you, you know, uh, you, we, we're just coming around to this wokeness, but a lot of our teens are very, very woke. And they, they, they have been teaching me some things about American history that I didn't know. And I'm just pretending like, oh, okay. Oh yeah, I think I remember reading that back in 12th grade. <laughs> um, but yeah, they, they are really woke, they know stuff. And so challenge, challenge and just say, hey, how can I support you? and stepping up and doing something about this. And so that kind of helps also with those feelings of helplessness that you know, uh, comes along with traumatic experiences. So hopefully those are some things that you guys jotted down and, and can take with you um, that, that feel very tangible. Definitely, Antoine, thank you. Thank you so much to, uh, I mean, you know, when you take such a construct like that saying complex trauma and then how to restructure that you really broke that down and for easy steps and about how, you know, just day to day, you can restructure, you can engage, you can nurture and you can challenge. Just very simple steps about what we can do to apply that in our daily routines to really recreate that structure and that safety, you know, for our kids and, and if we need it for ourselves. Yeah. So, so thank you so much. I mean, that was, that hit it home. That hit it home. That was awesome. Great, I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> Now I'm just snapping here, you know, and checking it out in regards to, you know, the likes and the hearts and the shares that were received and, and done because of just you, Antoine, and, and lending your time, your, your vulnerability, your example, your leadership, um, and, and just your support. Um, and, and we just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for what you do and the fact that you're helping us to bring to a close hashtag the talk how to help your kids with regards to having this conversation about racism and the police. And y'all make sure that y'all share this out. Y'all make sure that y'all check the replay. Make yeah. sure that you get the great information. I was putting it into the comment section so that people can grab those juicy nuggets that you shared, but also to make sure how do they get in contact with you if they want more, if they definitely need you and your service, how do they contact you? Great. So I'm, I'm on Facebook. You can just search Antoine McKenzie Plez. I'm on Facebook. Um, all of my other social media is with the handle It's All Grief. So that's um, Twitter and Instagram, It's All Grief. Um, you can also find out more about me and my, and my work at my website, www.itsallgrief.com. Um, and so I offer individual, family, and couples therapy. Uh, right now, only virtual, of course, um, uh, especially here in Florida, now that we have had this huge second outbreak, it looks like. Um, so I do that. And also, I'm available for consultations for parents who maybe just kind of want a one-on-one -on -one, uh, of, of this. You know, maybe you have some specific concerns um, about your kid and wanting to know specifically what are some recommendations for having this talk with my kid. I do offer uh, consultations that as well all right awesome awesome hey tommy and michael and 
Pastor Aaron and everyone. Thank you so much. Nicole, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in um, from our end, from Danny's end. Just want to say thank you all for tuning in as well. And Antoine's end, thank you all for tuning in. Um, it looks like you pretty much answered all the questions. No one have any questions on, on the end that I see. So again, Antoine, thank you so much. Um, and, and thank you. Thank you, Danny, for you know helping and co-hosting this. Great job to you as well. And everyone, thank you for just showing up and, and just being here with us. Um, it really means everything. And we hope that you have found value. If again, if you found value, make sure that you share this. You can like it, you can you know tag people, but definitely share it because sharing is caring and you never know, you just might save a life in the process. Amen. Amen. And, you know, Friday night, I'm about to go to bed. That's my virtual happy hour. Self-care. Self-care. Right. So everyone, thank you, everybody. And look, y'all be safe. Be okay. Y'all be not being okay. And tune in next time. We're going to have a brand new conversation for next week. So you do not want to miss it. And this is Dr. Saturday Langley. As always, y'all be safe. Much for joining us this week on the Lead Limitlessly podcast with Dr. Sarah Langley. Tune in next week as we continue to deliver our best engaging content on the secrets to living, loving, and leading a successful and happy life full of purpose, power, and profits. Make sure to visit us on our website, drsarahrenelangley.com, where you can subscribe to the show and listen when available on Apple Podcasts. Google Podcast, Spotify, or via RSS feed, so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we appreciate a rating on these podcast platforms. Or if you simply tell a friend, that would be awesome as well. Please, if you do like the show, you might want to check out our latest ebook, Lead Limitlessly, How to Lead Successful and Happy Lives which are interviews of 12 limitless leaders who share the secrets of living, loving, and leading happy, successful lives. <laughs> and check us out. Also on the website, another ebook of ours, The Limitless Leading Effect, How to Lead Without Setbacks. So feel free to go to our website, drsarahrenelangley.com to learn more. Dr. Langley is also available for one-on-one -on -one VIP exclusive services and keynoting engagement. So please make sure you check her out at drsarahrenelangley.com or email us at caresupport at drsarahrenelangley.com for more information. Thank you.